The mission of this podcast is to use our voices coupled with the appropriate knowledge to create a more informed activist, which can then use their voice to create a better present and future for all black Americans. Join us in our journey to change a part of our world that we know needs changing, because at the end of the day, the conversations about human rights are the ones that need to be had, and they're usually the toughest talks. And I'm Zach Billings. And this is Tough Talks. All right, welcome back to another episode of Tough Talks. I'm your host, Adam Mullins, and unfortunately, my co-host cannot be here today but we do have a very special surprise in stock for you guys today three very special guests do you guys want to introduce yourselves i'm alex i'm avery i'm kayula how are you guys doing today i'm doing good now if you notice the the common trend between these three the three black women right and that's that's the premise of today's episode we wanted to give a spotlight to our black women, just like we did, if y'all remember two episodes ago, we highlighted our black men. Right, but well, we wanted to be fair about this, right? We wanted to give black women a chance to, you know, voice their concerns and give them a platform to, to basically say what they feel about the certain issues at hand, right? Because our black women are just as important as our black men. And we gotta look out for each other. So that's what this is, man. Y'all laughing, that's the truth. Y'all, y'all don't see him over here laughing at me. That was a little corny, but it's whatever. But all right, let's get into it, man. But first, y'all want to explain a little bit about yourself? They don't really know you, other okay. than your names. So, Alex, you can go. I'm a teenager at Northview High School. Um, today, it was originally me uh, and not Avery, but I brought her with me because of the fact that I know she's experienced some things that maybe I haven't because of the difference in skin tone that we have. Mm. How you're lighter and I'm darker. Yeah. Avery. Oh, um, and I, I'm Avery. I'm another <laughs> high schooler at Northview, and I think that we might have a different viewpoint on a lot of these issues, especially since we go to a minority-majority school. Kayla. I'm Kayla. I'm a rising senior at Georgia College. Um, studying philosophy so yeah i'm really happy to be here happy to share my own experiences as a black woman all right but now before we start i just want to ask each individually just individually how would you describe your experiences at your schools currently as a black woman Uh, through the lens of a black woman not just going to northview it really depends on how much you put yourself out there Mm -hmm. for me specifically for me, I'm a part of the Black History Club. Right. And so uh, this past year, I was a big part of it. We have this thing where we do a Black History play. Ooh. And so a lot of the school comes to see that, but the whole point is we like to highlight certain parts, and I know that certain kids may not have gotten the same treatment that others did because of mm-hmm. who they were. Mm-hmm. But being black at Northview, like Avery said, it's a majority-minority school, so right. the majority of the demographic, are it's Asian. Mm. And so uh, black people are still a minority, 
and then in the middle it's white people. Right. And so it really, I feel like a lot of kids try and slip certain things by you. Right. And I mean, as a person, the person that I am, I'm kind of aware of certain things. And so I remember one kid, he said the N word in front of me and one of my friends, cause I wasn't paying attention. Right. And he would, and uh, one of my friends went, you can't say that. And so I, like I said, being the person that I am, I gave right. him a talk. Right. You <laughs> cause the whole point is a, a lot of kids mm-hmm. will ask me for the N word pass. Hey. A lot of kids. It's crazy. I never understood that. And my first thing, the first thing that I say is, for, what makes you think that exists? Um, mm-hmm. Because the whole the whole stance for me is that it it really doesn't. Right. You ask for the pass, but if you say it and somebody doesn't take that, you can't go. Oh, it's okay. I have the end word pass. That doesn't make it. If okay. they lay you out, right. they'll, they'll lay you out, right. and you can't blame that on me because right. of the fact that you didn't listen to what I said. Right. It's not universal. Yeah. It. it right. does, so it doesn't exist. Right. Avery, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Um, well, sadly, since Alex said we went to a predominant, we right. go to a predominantly Asian school, my experience as uh, one of the small percentage of black mm-hmm. people in my grade has been kind of negative in mm. a sense that um, whether I think a lot of people realize it or not, you kind of wander towards your own race automatically. Right. Right. So I wandered towards my own race, Naturally. which is a, which was a good sized black group and a lot of people just stereotyped us and right. i also had friends in like the asian community because you know you kind of have to branch out you a little avoid bit avoid that right? and yeah. the sad thing right. is that they didn't necessarily know that those are just stereotypes at the end mm-hmm. of the day and that that stuff you see on social media that stuff you hear that stuff you see on tv we don't act like that right or how they'll see me as an acceptance as a black person mm. and not as their uh-huh. viewpoint of a black person. Right. Yeah. You don't fit that mold. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's especially important to, if you go to a predominantly, you know, non-white institution, it's important to find that group of black people you can call home, sort of like your safe space to be black. I feel like everyone needs that. Uh, moving on, Kyla, do you want to touch on your experiences at GCSU in <laughs> Middle Georgia? How is that like? Yeah, so I go to Georgia College in Millsville, Georgia, which is about two hours south of Gwinnett. Um, Pretty small town, very white. Um, Well, in actuality, the community is predominantly black, lower income, black people, but the college itself, the student population is majority white. Um, I remember when my previous head coach was recruiting me, I looked at the demographics and it was pretty shocking. Uh, but as um, a black woman playing a predominantly black sport, I also play soccer for the school. Um, that was something that I knew I just had to deal with. Um, trying to find a school in the South, I knew I was going to be a minority. So that was something I kind of had to accept. Um, in terms of the student population, um, I guess I haven't really found, um, I haven't been lucky enough to find my black group that I can call home. I have a few, like, core friends, like, literally three, um, but, and really that's all I need, um, but at the same time, the professors there, I think, have been closer to what I was looking for, who have helped really, um, sort of helped me find myself, um, within academics, so I'm really thankful for that, um, but yeah, 
how do you think that's affected your education being the only black woman queer black woman in your field of study yeah so again i study philosophy and the philosophy department is predominantly white i'm not gonna say it's all white but pretty much um and i am the only black female philosopher at my school um and i feel like i've experienced this throughout all of my education really um but when you're the only black person in a class um specifically like let's take for example my philosophy of law class um we're talking about reparations mm -hmm. what those mm -hmm. have looked like for jewish people in europe and germany after the holocaust what it looked for Japanese Americans um, or Japanese immigrants here in America after World War II and what that should look like for black people. Um, the pressure of being the only black person in the room when these issues are discussed oh, is immense, that. right? I hate um, it. You know, you get the person. stares and yeah. you feel, sorry, um, um, even if people aren't looking directly at you, there's that long silence where nobody wants to say anything because they're not black. And so you feel just like responsible for the entire black community because yeah. if I don't speak up, then it's like I'm not doing my part. Yeah. yeah. But if I do speak up, I know I'm not the voice of all black people everywhere, right? Yeah. My experience is very subjective to my, my own reality, my perspective. So I would say that's something that I've had to learn to overcome. Um, and also, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but when I do speak, how I speak. Are you the yeah. angry black woman? Yeah. Right? Are you the, yeah. it's not so bad. Yeah. Black people aren't oppressed anymore. Yes. Is it like that? Or is it like, are you gonna get out of that bubble you seem mm -hmm. to live in? Right. Yeah. And actually realize. Yeah. And I don't understand the angry black woman stereotype anyways. Yeah, but yeah being the only black um, kid in my classes makes me so uncomfortable sometimes. But it's, because I've lived here my entire life, it's how it's always been. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like last year in my class, um, I was talking to one of my black friends because I took AP Lang and because I'm, I'm an ongoing senior, so that's a junior class. And so a lot of the things that we were talking about were completely different from any other class that we had had before, like as any student. And so I remember at one point when we were talking about racism and there are only three black kids and a class of like 28. And we like we didn't really group together because one girl sat across the room, but the, like me and my my friend and I, right. we sat next to each other. And so one of the things that she really um, that she pointed out, like the whole issue with it is the fact that we're always the only black kids, and it's kind of upsetting to only be the black kid when you know that there are more black children at our school, right? But they don't. They're not a part of the same classes. Or sometimes, and, or, yeah. yeah, they don't realize that they might have a lack of resources or they mm -hmm. might have come from a lower income, lower education area and they migrate up this way. Yeah, And they different. might not speak grammatically correct or something and they'll be in lower level classes, which is, and then that stereotype that we're fighting over and over again. Mm -hmm. And what people need to realize is not everybody comes from your area. Not everybody yeah. has access to the resources you have. Okay, so let's talk about that, right? Because I think there's a lot of misrepresentation 
the way black women are portrayed in the media, and I feel like there's a lot of generalizations that when the average white man sees a black woman, you know, he starts to make, right? That she's angry, she's persecuted, she's loud, she's annoying, right? So let's address that, right? Alex, what do you feel are some important stereotypes that we as a country should address about our black women? <laughs> so, I mean, as a black person, I'm, I, my entire life I've been the quiet one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call myself weak because I Those do, I, yeah, no, I do stand up yeah. for myself. And the whole, little, I've had kids that have come to me and they're like, you're nothing like how I thought you'd be. And mm. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to be? Because yes, I like I have a friend who is very loud. Right. But they automatically assume she's not as smart because of the fact that she's loud. Mm. Which I'm not really sure how, you, how they Yeah. How does that equate? Yeah, but the whole idea that black women are like ten times tougher than anybody else, yeah. which which makes me scared for I was talking to my friend. Right about how because like you know sometimes we talk about how like kids like in the future uh we were i was talking about how scared i'd be to give birth because of the fact that just the high rate that black women are um harmed in when, the medical field. in the medical field because of the fact that a lot of uh medical pe- uh, medical students um professionals they just believe that black women don't need the same amount of treatment because of the fact that they they're supposedly right. able to handle I've, I've more, heard about that, yeah. it comes from which slavery. is just terrifying. And I just don't. It makes me scared for the future because I don't want to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Avery. Um, well, I really wanted to like add on to what my sister said about Please. black women in the medical field. How we're at the highest rate of women that are killed in the medical field, how police kill the black man, the medical field kills the black mm, woman. And how yeah. black women get more C-sections, emergency C-sections, because not only do we have the heaviness of being a black person in America, we have the heaviness of being a black woman in America. Yeah. If you live in a lower income area, as I said, that's more stress. The neglect, so yeah. black women are a higher rate of things like C-sections and how in slavery in time, how the slave master would say, oh, black people are so much tougher, blah, 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 blah. So they would feel easier about making us do all of that hard work Mm -hmm. and how that transferred onto medical field practices. So not only is there racism, now there's sexism Mm -hmm. because the black woman was portrayed all those hundreds of years ago as so strong that evolved into our medical practices today and how if a black person is saying, oh, I'm in so much pain, blah, 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 they don't think we're in that much pain, and that's why we die so much quicker. But if a other race said, I'm in so much pain, they automatically give them medicine, or the fact that we're affected by so many different diseases. But as I said, lower income, we don't have the access as healthcare. Right. Yeah, that so that's how we're up. being killed as well. And that can go down in two if you had, how Alex said, with kids. That can move down if you had kids in the future. Right, they're affected too. Kylie, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I actually have a really good friend uh, whose aunt had passed away after giving birth to her second child. Um, and her husband and her family had to go to bat for her, um, you know, speaking to local governments and trying to sue. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where that case ended up, but being so close to 
bees, you know, an issue that clearly reflects what a lot of Alex and Avery have been discussing was really surreal. Um, and I know it has impacted my friend incredibly. Um, and I've decided that I'm not going to be, if I plan to have kids, um, I'm not going to be going to a hospital because I, yeah. I know the numbers, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, so it's, it's, it's not worth it. at this point. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's so heartbreaking that a basic right, a privilege, really, that we should yeah. have is something that we can't enjoy because when we're given that opportunity, we're ignored and neglected. Um, so, yeah. Well, we're still on the topic of stereotypes. Let's talk about stereotypes on appearance, right? In the workplace, when a black woman gets a job or is applying for a job, I've heard stories where they've been denied opportunities based on how their hair looked, right? Oh, yeah. Mm, Having that, a specific hairstyle. Yeah. Going to right? School. So let's talk about hair. I feel like we don't, I feel like it's a lesser, a lesser talk about, but I think that for a black woman, her hair is part of her identity. It's what makes yeah. her a black woman. Oh, yeah. Right? It's the crown they have in their hair. So what issues do you have with other people talking, touching hair? What, what is it that draws other people to look at you a certain way because of your hair what do you think Ooh, that is my sister Ooh. and i were talking about this the other day yeah um, um because like i mentioned earlier my sister and i look different but we also look the same right and so for me i have a lighter skin tone my hair texture. yeah mm-hmm. my curl pattern is looser than hers right and so i've had kids walk up to me and they're like your sister's the darker version of you and then at some point mm. i remember one kid who said that she wasn't as pretty oh yeah and, and i was and i was and so i sat there and i was like you just said she Why? looks like me. So Why? what about her makes her less, like, not as pretty? And he's like, oh, she's because she, she's darker. And I'm like, it's your color. Is first up. of all, what makes it okay to say that to me, knowing that that's my little right. sister? So obviously I got annoyed because that's not, because they're still people. She's a person. Right. She has feelings. If you want to speak, keep it to yourself because nobody needs to hear that. Or the fact that people, I think the biggest problem is how I, with another thing with the lack of education. Because I've even caught other people of our own race saying things with how black women, how someone will see a black woman with heat damage or some type of chemical damage in their hair. And what people don't realize is, sadly, like in the 60s and 70s when, you know, we were getting hired in all these workplaces, how we had to kind of maneuver in go into the straight right, hair, yeah, couldn't yeah. have our hair in braids. So now you have these parents that had to do that to their hair, now doing their children's hair, and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But now, luckily in today's society, we have the natural hair movement. Right. Yeah. But how my sister, how my sister said, people talk about how she's more desirable than me. I know that's not true, because right. at the end of the day, shade should not say how desirable Well, it's all are. relative. Like, I know. It, yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. But how a lot of people don't even realize you're texturous as well. Because yeah. if you equate looser curls as more desired versus right. a kinky hair afro, what makes someone's hair texture more attractive? Right. Yeah, and it, it's, it's... It's just yeah. your... It's, it's this Eurocentric beauty standard. And it's it, all, a lot of times under the guise that, oh, well, it's just my own... It's just my type. Like, it's that's not just a preference. what I like. It's but not what, a preference. Right, if you're excluding an entire group of people... Because of that. Because of that. That's no longer a preference. It's a little bit more than a preference in some you like. A preference is eye color. We were trying to explain this to... We have family members. We have a lot of family members who seem to... 
one of our family members, like, he, he was describing his hair. Right. And he was like, oh, it's it's uh, straighter at the top, uh, more curly, and then it's uh, ugly in the back. Mm-hmm. And we sat there, and we're like, what do you mean by ugly? And he, and he didn't explain it, mm-hmm. but it, we knew that he meant that because his curl pattern was tighter in the back, uh, it, he, he automatically uh, connected that right. as uh, look with ugly. Right. And then the way he described certain things, he would call... Uh, certain hair textures nappy or like does mm. it's nappy has which is negative yeah. and then immediately like if that. I hear like immediately if you hear that it's oh I my. you like mm. your entire argument is just false at this point right. because the fact that it's an actual thing that young black girls grow up with either hating their shade hating their hair texture hating something about themselves right yeah because of what you say to where it's a fact that people make fun of them for something that they might not be able to control right but how is my hair any different from hers at the end of the day is how I kind of see it. It yeah. shouldn't be at all. Right. I've had heat-damaged hair, but yeah. I've still gotten complimented versus someone with healthy, like, an afro, like, kinky hair is bash. But their hair is, technically, it's healthier than mine. Yeah, the whole reason, so, yeah. We started taking what, care of our hair because we damaged it? it by accident. Right. What is it? And it's, y'all had me growing up wanting to be white. It's that <laughs> white straight hair. <laughs> it's that white validation. Right, right. Those Eurocentric beauty standards. It's it's funny a lot of times seeing, you know, a white girl walking out in the street with her hair completely wet, just soaked. Ooh, right? bed Just stringy. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't mean to demean any <laughs> white woman out there. Right, but then you see a girl, you see a black girl who decides t- that she doesn't want to put two hours worth of time into her hair that day, right? And she gets immediately judged as being unkempt and dirty, mm-hmm. right? So it's just all these ideas about hair that serve to further disenfranchise black women. I mean, even if you put, like, you spent hours doing braids, and right. then all of a sudden people assume that it's m- messy. Yeah. Or the fact that for so many years our hairstyles and everything was ghetto it was not workplace appropriate but now and today that a different race might want to do our hairstyle and it's ooh, it's this new ooh, trend blah yeah. blah blah but yep. they were making laws saying that we couldn't wear that to school but you can now use it as a trend and you're fashionable yeah. you're amazing and we're made fun of right we had to change our hair to look like yours but when like you want to change, when you want to look like us, since we're, yeah. we seem to be the blueprint in a lot of things, it's so trendy. We never get credit for anything because everything, right. everything's seen as ghetto until, sadly, until white people do it. Yeah. Right. Which is really sad. And it makes me, it makes me kind of sad to see certain people be, uh, saying, black people are always complaining. They just want, they uh, keep claiming everything. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is, like, we got bullied. Things. We got bullied for, for how we looked. Stuff, and and all of a sudden, you want to look the same way, right, and you get right, praised. Right. Meanwhile, some people have lost their lives over this. Oh, yeah. P- people, it controlled their lives. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they're going to be annoyed when somebody else tries to do the exact same thing. Like, if that happened to you, you'd be just as mad. Right. People have lost jobs over these things. All right. I think that wraps up that question pretty well. Kyla, unless you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I do. Go ahead, please. please. <laughs> okay, so um, just to sort of sum it up, obviously I agree with a lot of what you're saying, um, but I think a lot of people don't understand that for black girls and women, the our hair journey is something so intimate um, and personal 
that when it's assaulted like that, yeah, that's why we're so mad. That's why <laughs> we're making everything about race because this, like you said, it's a part of our identity, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, like we're very similar. I've had. I've had those moments where I'm like, God, I just wish I could be like my white friends. Yeah. And yeah. I could just get up and put my hair in a bun and it'd be fine. Right? Um, so, and I think it's also important, and you guys touched on this as well, is that these revelations are realized within the black community as well. Because mm-hmm. black blackness is, there's just such a huge variety of what that looks like. There's no standard. And so we have to, yeah, we have to learn to accept the variety in our existence because that's what makes us so fucking beautiful like I don't get the um obsession with trying to create a standard for something that isn't bound to be kept into a box exactly yeah. we have that gene against each other yeah. too so we have that gene where we can look like everybody mm-hmm. at one point yeah any more thoughts on that before we move on um, I feel like we need to stop. I feel like people need to stop pitting each other, like pitting us against oh, each other. Yeah. Right. I don't like, know. Within, just within the black community, like Light I said, people have praised other people for lighter skin tones. Because uh, black is beautiful. Uh, it doesn't matter what shade you are, it doesn't matter how your hair looks. Preach. It's and still beautiful. I'm saying someone's skin shade does not. It doesn't matter how worth. black they are as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you can have a black father, 100% black father, and a white mom make a extremely white passing child right mm-hmm. there's still 50 percent black right. at the end of the day or you could have the same thing but a darker skinned child or just take me for example most people have a, everybody i've talked to i mean just this girl that i've known for years i mean she's never met my parents i mean you people who are listening to this haven't seen my brother but you guys right. have seen my brother and my brother's darker than both, both my sister yes. and i yeah. and my my entire life people have been like how did your parents how did, did y'all really make him? Yeah, because the, the majority of my not, high school career... That don't even make sense. The majority of my high school career, nobody knew my brother and I were related. Mm-hmm. Just, like, until last year when they realized... they I, want, I was related no, to me. Yeah, they, they put it together. My sister and I look alike. Right. And they know my sister and my brother are related. So they put two and two right, together, right. and they, they, th- they realized that we're, my brother and I are related. And then some realized that we were related when they saw me get into the same car... Um, in my dad's car and they're like why is why is Alex getting into Mason's dad's yeah. siblings y'all Surprise. and I'm like cause, cause that's my father but a that? lot of kids didn't even realize that both my parents are black right I, I one girl was like really I thought you were mixed and I'm like no black both my parents are black right just because I'm I'm pale but that doesn't mean that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm black, not so black that makes sense alright moving on different topic second topic the modern black woman, excuse me. All right. What does the modern black woman look like? As in, what defines her, what makes her, and what challenges does she face? How has she progressed over time? Right? Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. the black woman who would be in the field picking cotton to today's black woman. How does she look like? If you had to put her in words. Kylie, do you want to start with that? Um, I think the answer to that question probably depends on who's answering, um, because if we're talking about representation in the media, right? So if let's say, let's bring it back. Let's say I'm much younger. If I'm trying to figure out who I am by looking at um, by not only looking my, at my reflection in the mirror, but also looking at 
other people who look like me, who are supposed to represent me, yeah. I don't see myself very yeah. much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so let's talk about the music industry, um, specifically the rap industry. Mm. Um, so we have artists that we love. We have our Cardi yeah. B's and we have our Megan Thee Stallions. Yeah. Um, and all power to them, right? Yeah. They're able to own their bodies and use their bodies in whatever way they see fit, and that's a liberty that women in general, but especially black women, did not have mm-hmm. until recently, and so that's beautiful. Um, and, you know, they're loud, and they can express themselves in ways that other people simply just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not the standard. And yeah. so in trying to answer this question, it's a bit of a paradox because it really just depends and I touched on this earlier but like the variety in of black people is just so vast that it's hard to try and put that in a box um but my own definition I feel like the modern black woman today is still struggling with a lot of things that um the black women of the 60s, 70s, 50s of slavery had to deal with. We still have a lot of progress to make, but I think um, for me, she's aware. Yeah. um, And she's confident in this awareness and Mm -hmm. she's empowered by it, um, by this constant interrogation of trying to figure out um, how she can make sure that her daughters and her granddaughters and her great-granddaughters don't have to struggle so much. Yeah. Um, So I think it's a constant fight for the modern women, and it'll be a constant fight um, for a lot of years to come. Avery, you want to touch on that a little bit? Um, I really like like what she said because when it comes to like my opinion of what I would see as today's black woman, I just believe it's someone who's very confident in their skin, whether it's what they look like, what their hair looks like, what they've been through, no matter what. It's that they're confident that not only that they're a black person, because we said black and beautiful, but they're a black woman especially, since what this country has put black women through and how they choose to ignore what they've put us through, that they're still confident, and they wouldn't change that for anything in the world. We still struggling, though. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex. Um, yeah, I really like the points that were just previously made by both. Um, I do think that today we have more of a base and more people are aware um like this podcast there's a lot there a lot more more people are aware of what's been happening and i feel like within the past few months a lot more people have realized that because a lot of people were sheltered a lot of people were sheltered Mm -hmm. and so i mean i know people that were like i didn't realize that you guys have dealt with this so often and it's just it's just the way everybody grew up that's a privilege in itself yeah uh one thing i will say i have noticed from progressing from you know the past movement to our current movement is that back in the 50s and the 60s right or excuse me even before that like the the 10s and the 20s and the 30s basically black women were asked to forget that they were women for that period of time to sort of push the black movement. Yeah. But I will say that in today's era, right, our movement encompasses black feminism, mm-hmm. right? It's not just black people, it's 
every single type of black people. Like I'm, you're seeing a lot recently about Black trans lives matter. Yeah. Black, black LGBT Very. lives yeah, matter. All black Very lives matter. I think that it's important to encompass every black person on the spectrum because, like you guys said, there's no one single type of black person. Yeah. Right. So my question was a little bit short sighted in that sense, right? But going continuing, what what values should the modern day black women hold, right? Because you're right. There's no one look of a black woman. I, I can see how that could come off, right? But what values should today's black women hold? Any thoughts on that? Before we move on? Um, I feel like, as a whole, everybody should keep striving for black excellence. Yeah. Um, as long as everyone's still, like, keep fighting. Because, yeah. obviously, this isn't over. Um, it, it might take a while, but now I feel like there's more, there's more people on our side. Definitely. Like I said before, we have more of a base. Um, I feel like we're, because back then it was, it was mainly just black people that were right. fighting, but now we have people of all races fighting. I mean, I have a class group chat and I, people were getting in arguments because there were kids that I didn't even realize were aware of uh, these certain issues right. that were standing up for black people and, um, fight, uh, they they just kept going at it and it, it make it's really good to see actually That's yeah it makes me feel really good and it's just because I know especially for Black people within the past few months when the uh, marches uh, out again I mean I know they were continuing like they never stopped right. but it's just a mass of of marches kind of happened and when that first started happening um, I mean I know I me personally. It was really hard seeing all these, like, seeing everybody get hurt. My mental health went down really, right. like, a lot when that was breaking out. Understandably. Um, now I'm okay, but before, it was just really heavy because it's, I've dealt with this my entire life. And it makes, it made me really sad to see that there were black kids that had to go out there and march for the right to be treated like a human being. Right. In a pandemic. And yeah, in the middle of a pandemic. And... I mean, but then seeing more people, it, like, it's not just black people out there marching. Right. I know it was, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't just black people out there marching in the 60s, um, but it's, it's more. more. So now, right? Yeah, and then seeing across, it, it's happening across the world. It's happening in mm -hmm. Europe right now. Mm -hmm. People are marching in Europe for Black Lives Matter, right. which, which didn't happen before. Right. And so it's really encouraging to see other people marching for this cause. And so I feel like, as a whole, everybody should just keep going and not give up because eventually this will come, this will pay off. I completely agree. Any more thoughts before we move on? Um, I just, I also think because black women by nature, I feel like we're such a nurturing group of people and we're very inclusive. We kind of like to uplift everybody, but I also think we need to also uplift ourselves and people that I know how you said you don't necessarily see people that look like you, but the people that look like you because at the end of the day, there's, no, there's more little black girls mm -hmm. that will look up to you, even if you don't look like them. They're looking up to you because you are a black woman. And I just think it's really important to uplift not only them, but ourselves as well. Kylie, any more thoughts? No, I'm going to leave it there. That was, that was perfect. All right, moving on. So this next, this next question is not meant to degrade 
any of our black men or black women. We just want to, you know, get you guys' opinions on the current state between relations between black men and black women, right? So when I ask this, you know, <laughs> yeah. y'all, the, you can say the the brothers ain't, you know, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, this, yeah. this is Avery. This is not that. This is this <laughs> constructive. Avery right, was right, right, right. Let's let's be constructive about we this, will, we will. right? But I basically want to ask: Does the black man do enough to protect the black woman, black woman, and vice versa? Is um, there enough effort to protect our black woman? I think it matters what you're really going off on. Because what we see now a lot of days is if a black, at least from what I can only go off my personal experiences Please. at the end of the day, yeah. when I see a black man date a woman of a different race, mm. it's that's wonderful. Date outside race, that's amazing. But you don't need to degrade the black woman in the process. In the process, how whenever I see, I'm not saying that black women don't do this. I'm just saying whenever I see a black woman date someone of a different race, they don't even mention the black man. And I just feel like, why is there such a need, especially if you have a black mother at the end of the day, or a black father, or a black sister, or a black woman in your life, why do you feel the need to degrade the black woman? Yeah. Right. Where is that coming? Where is that self-hatred coming from? Because at the end of the day, it's probably some type of self-hatred or internal racism. Right. Where is it coming from? Or when you degrade a black woman's features. Yeah. Because, as I said we come, we all look different, whether it's smaller noses to bigger noses, body shape, whatever. Why do you feel the need, feel the need to degrade the black woman at all? Right. And I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I feel like there's a lot of self-hate for black men who choose white women over black women. But let's talk about the spectrum of black people too. Because as we talked about, there's no one single type of black man mm-hmm. or black woman. So yeah. let's take, I have a friend who I used to work with. He's one of our coworkers. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to put him on blast. <laughs> right. But he goes to Ridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes to PC Ridge <laughs> High School. And uh, you know who it is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I asked him one day, man. He said that he only state, he only dates white girls. And so I asked him, like, why? Why do you feel like, you know, you can't date a black woman? What What's keeping you from doing that? And the reason he gave me was, he gave me actually two reasons. He said that, well, A, I mean, I just find white girls more attractive, right? He just liked their features more, right? So that's where that self-hate comes mm-hmm. from. Right, because he likes those Eurocentric yeah. features more than the, the features of his own people, right? But the second reason he gave was that black girls don't want him, right? Oh, so because I know there. when we when you look at all these shows, man, like Morris Chestnut or a Michael Ealy, right? Handsome guys, right? Black women love those strong, you know, character, hero, job yeah. type of black men. There's a, right, you're right, you're Just right. <laughs> right, that was a little, that was, yeah, 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 that was a little, uh, you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an archetype of a black man that most mm-hmm. black women subscribe to, and he told me that he didn't fit that role. Mm. 
right? Yeah. So I I can understand where he's coming from, but I agree that there's still that level of black hate. Yeah, right? well, you can even see it from both sides. That like that that's kind of the representation in the media. Right. It's we don't see enough representation mm-hmm. of different types of black people, and so that kind of goes into the whole fact that people have this um, I, um, ideal black person. And if they only see that, then they don't. They haven't. They haven't experienced anybody else. Right. I mean, personally, I say fine. Don't discriminate. I don't care what you are. Right. I don't care who you are. But yeah, it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, right. Pretty much. I mean, because let's be honest. Like, let's take Fresh Prince of Bel Air for example. Mm-hmm. Who did you take more seriously? As in, if you if you had to pick to date one or the other, who would you take more seriously? Will Smith, or Carlton, you see what I'm saying? Carlton yeah. with the glasses. Yeah, the little swing dance card. It's not unusual. <laughs> that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm it's a, the representation, which is why Black Panther was kind of such a big, of a right. big deal because Excuse of the fact that we had a darker skin tone man, and then people were gushing over him. Right. It's just we don't see that enough. We don't but see we don't see that for either gender actually. Gush over, don't fetishize. Is different. Yeah, the fetish. The people fetish- don't realize they're actually fetishizing us when they think they're appreciating us but then the you same. cross a line right. you cross a <laughs> yeah. line that you need to come back from right. and the lines aren't all that blurry Kyla any thoughts on this yeah so a couple things first like coming back to sort of like the heart of the question um do black men do enough to protect their black women um or to a black to protect black women in general um I think yes and no uh mainly no though (laughs) and I think a lot of this stems from the fact that a lot of people don't recognize the intersectional identity of a black woman right so Sojourner Truth um, who was a black feminist um, in one of her speeches Ain't I a Slave talks about that the complexity of that right yeah so if it's terrible to be a slave and it's terrible to be a woman then how can you justify my experience as a black woman, right? Um, and so I think what black men don't understand is that it's not about like just dating black women, being like, okay, I'm gonna support them by like loving them and making babies with them. But it's also about recognizing um, their privilege within the patriarchy, right? Oh, so, yeah, exactly. so the fight for um, the protection of black women has to be intersectional. And within that pa- patriarchy, there has to be an understanding of it's all black women. It's not just the black women you're attracted to. It's not just mm-hmm. straight black women that you can, you know, be in relations with, relationships with. It's all black women. Every single one of them. Right? Um, so I think that's really important to understand as well, is that if there's not a conscious effort from black men to understand the patriarchy um, and the racism within that patriarchy and their acceptance of either of those things and how that impacts their relationship with black women, then they're really not going to get very far. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was like the big point. I'm trying to think where I was going with my second point, but I'm not sure. If you don't mind me adding something, I'll yeah, add yeah. something real quick. Um, what I kind of like to think about a lot is if you looked at like points in history, the black man has been hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. Hypersexualized. But so is a black woman. But the problem, how if you get like snow bunnies, you know, like snow bunnies. <laughs> yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah, that's just another sad right. thing. But as a black woman, we also kind of always feel like we're so ignored. You don't only ignore our problems, but you ignore us as a whole. 
but black men are still acknowledged on some forms mm-hmm. where the black woman isn't. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. where that's where we need to connect. I think that's where we need to like come together. Because you 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 can't ignore the black woman and then praise the black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're like we're that, all together. It's all right. Black Lives Matter, right? Right. And that I can't say that word. But that, <laughs> yes, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, of you know. the black man, is it, like you said, it's not the same. It's, it's not. not the same on both sides of the coin. Like, black women don't experience that to the same degree that black men no, yeah. get to experience that, and quotations I get. Um, and I have, like, it's so fucking frustrating because at my college, of the black men that I know, um, most of them being student athletes as well, they're <laughs> I don't, the athlete pool. Just be honest. Just be honest. Come on. It's just it is appalling and frustrating and it confusing when because you know I'm friends with these girls that they're they're adamant on you know having sex with hooking up with um, and also but they're at the same time in the same vein, they're also so adamant about not even recognizing me or the other black women on my team. Oh, yeah. And, like, that, and yeah. like you said, that, like, that self-hate, that internalized racism, like, that is more frustrating than anything else. So, be, like, having, like, a direct, direct experiences with that is, yeah. Honestly, the fetishization of black people on its In own is yes. its own topic. Yeah. yeah. On so many different things, it's its own topic. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, last question before our, our, our final words. This is a real personal question for each of you individually to address. What do you think is the biggest issue facing black women in America that deserves priority? So if you could fix one thing centered around black women, what would you try to solve? Alex, do you have anything on that? Um. Now this is deep now, because there's some not so obvious things that need to be addressed that we don't talk about as much. I feel like because of the fact that most of the time when we're talking about stuff towards Black people, it's right. about people outside of our own community. Right. I feel like we really need to focus with inside of our community because you can you can multitask. I you agree. can do both. I completely agree. And so I feel like just the the amount of issues that people tend to ignore within the black community mm-hmm. i mean for the long it's the way we paint out each other right it's it's not that black people can't do any wrong it's just that a lot of the wrong tends to get like tends mm-hmm. to get ignored mm-hmm. and so um with like between black men and women right I feel like there's a lot of misogyny that still happens right. that people tend to ignore or they tend to try and um, cover, uh, cover up with something right. else, like another right. issue. <clears throat> and so the, it's how can you solve any of these issues if you don't acknowledge them? Right. So, yes, we could fix the racism and all the mistreatment happening outside of or towards black people from people right. outside the community. Right. But we're still going to have issues. Until we acknowledge mm-hmm. all issues. Right. And so, because, I mean, I got into a debate with uh, a family member. Right. With my brother. How'd that, that go? Yeah, uh, we were, because my brother and I were on the same side. We were talking about how 
what if what happens when we do get uh, when we fix the issues that are happening towards black people by other races? Right. Um, you're still not 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 everybody's going to be happy because people are still experiencing mistreatment. Mm-hmm. And Within so, that yeah. Right. And so I my family member was like, that's not true. Um, I think he, we got into oh, he yeah. he realized mm-hmm. what he was saying. And so he was like, wait a minute, that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> right. But um, what did I write down? Yeah, the I, I kind of just wanted to touch on the misogyny and colorism because right. it's, you want to set an example for the black people of the future. Right. And so what happens when we fix the issues outside? Um, we're not perfect. We're, yeah. it, it makes some people end up naive. Mm-hmm. And they may end up being tr- mistreated because of the fact that they didn't really ign- they didn't really realize right. that this could happen to them. Right. And so it's just I don't want to see anybody get hurt because they didn't mm-hmm. realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I will say on that, the white supremacists love seeing yeah. issues within the black community oh. fester. Yeah. Right. They love seeing us. Um, being divided on issues that we should be united on. Yeah. They love seeing us beating each other down verbally, physically. They love seeing issues like that because it's less work on their parts. Yeah. And they don't directly get the blame for it either. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just right? less of uh, them problem, at all. Right? Well, because a lot of the times I feel like people like to blame certain issues on black people mm-hmm. like high crime rates mm, we actually make up crime. less of their number crime. one go-to is no black sense. on black crime right or, uh, or a, a police brutality and how uh the one thing i always see um i see a lot of people saying that white people get the most like get police brutality the most right. but you have to think about the fact that these are white police officers and one, white people make up 70% of the United the States. Population. And it's the fact that black people, the police brutality that happens to black people is at least half of that. Right. When we only make up, what is it? 13%? Right. 13%. 13%. And yeah, like I think 13, it's like less than 39% of the The whole crime. issue right. is how high the numbers are. And don't forget wrongly reported. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, racial profiling. Even lower than that. And so it's. Yeah, of course we have to acknowledge right. that. So it's not the sheer number, it's the proportion yeah. of cases that are happening to the population by race. But, like, even the crime, it's this goes down to the uh, uh, prison, to, what is it? Prison to, to pipeline. pipeline. Yeah, sc- oh. yeah, school to pr- yeah, prison, school pipeline. To prison pipeline. pipeline. And it's the whole, it's like, the system's just working against us. This, right. it's, it's just... Well, everything, like, sadly, a lot of things are so mm-hmm. targeted against mm-hmm. us. Yep. Especially with lower income schools and how they always have the army for some reason at those lower income schools targeting especially if you're not a black athlete right they're always targeting those kids so now they're out of high school yeah, and they're going to the army yeah now you're out of high school you're in the army then yeah. you're shipped out of the army and you have no skills you're back on the street and that's just another black person right. out on the street because the yeah. roof is a title what is it not one yeah title one school which means we're lower income based on our population so we get extra yeah. funding and i talked to my friends at ridge and i told them we have this push-up challenge sponsored by some of these um army navy recruiters mm-hmm. and he didn't know what i was talking about it's a target he didn't know what i was it's talking about because he didn't have that mm-hmm. and now i'm realizing that man Maybe that's why they were at our school. That was it. We didn't because like we that. didn't really get we didn't our get school. those right. either. Our school is right. primarily like we said it's primarily Asian, 
Right. Most of the black kids are on sports teams mm -hmm. and are in lower level classes. Right. So I feel like we, we talked about this at church, I believe, at one point when we were discussing how a lot of black kids tend to turn to sports because of the fact that they feel like they aren't able to achieve as much. Yeah, in the classroom. Or, like, they're kind of discriminated against in the classroom from a young age. And so that's how most black people end up in things such as sports. And it's kind of... We kind of just have... It's happening within the school system, too. Because there's so many different issues. It's not obvious, either. It's so much talent. And I kind of go into the fact, never really judge how much talent or how smart someone is off of, like, how they look. Grammatically correct they might be sometimes right. because there's so much untapped talent in the black youth but now you're shipping them off to the army or you're right. putting them in this athlete box and what happens when they don't get an education because college caters a lot of their stuff to sports so now that these athletes have terrible grades right. what happens when they get an injury and a lot of the times, it takes the right mentor, too. Yeah. So, these predominantly white schools, they have all these counselors, mm -hmm. resources that, you know, struggling students can go to. No hope. Right? You go to a low-income school where they're just trying to graduate their kids. They're not person. They're worried about their personal development and growth. Mm -hmm. They can't see the same gains that a, a white kid at a, a school in Johns Creek or something. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, they, it's that mental oh, health. It's right. that you yeah. need to cater to the young black right. mental health. Right. Stop telling them that they can only do this, do that, do that. Yeah, right. because that kind of goes... Okay, I just want to touch on this real quick. Because, like I said, mm -hmm. our school, um, I don't really see many black kids in higher level classes. Right. And it's just, it makes... I was talking to another black person about this mm -hmm. at my school, at, um, cause in the club. And it's... Even when some kids are given the resources, they don't take advantage of them. Oh, yes. mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's, yeah, which, some don't have yeah. that option. Yeah, which is why it. I was like talking about within yeah. the community. It's people, even, because Mason was, my brother was talking about how friend, a friend who did a program to try and help mm -hmm. others, uh, black students, right. um, achieve better. And even when he had a meeting, nobody showed up, even though they knew about mm, it. That's bad. But and you also have to look at where they come from. Are they coming yeah, from a higher-income black family? Because right. when you look at the lower-income black they're family, not they're, they're, that, yeah. they're taking yeah, they're, all of those they're advantages. That's where, yeah. But it's when the higher-income black kids are right. like, oh, my family made it. I don't yeah, have yeah. to. We're good, and yeah. now look at you. Right. No life skills. Avery, I don't think we got to your oh, the, main issue. I forgot yeah. the question. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> shoot, I forgot the question. Uh, kind of like on. what people need about yeah. the black woman, something. What is the biggest issue facing black women that deserves priority? Okay. If you could solve one thing, what would you solve? I'm going to go off my personal experience again. Please. I don't like to be. I'm, that make me biased. No, that's why you're no, here. No, okay. That's why you're here. <laughs> exactly. The colorism thing, because my entire yeah. life, what I've realized in the past year, um, being my first year of high school, ninth grade last year, um, the fact that I faced a lot more colorism than I realized. Right. And how it was just always, as I said, sadly, the one thing, how we were talking about issues in our own black community, right. how I weird, like went over to like the black group, they would always like kind of pick at me, how I was not black enough. Mm. to be black or I talked you white. Sound, you sound white on the phone. I you talked white, white yeah. or my hair. Something that would just always take away from my blackness. Right. But I still have two black parents, so I never really got that. Right. And how the fact that another thing I realized is they'd always talk about how, like, I might be more desired by, like, 
the whiter kids at my school Mm -hmm. than how some of the darker skinned people in my friend group. And sadly, since no one wanted to acknowledge the colorism that we... I'm I'm not even going to say that I was innocent because I was ignorant at certain things and right. ignorant at certain people's experiences mm-hmm. and how it kind of like tore everybody in that friend group apart because it would be like the small comments that you would mm-hmm. say to someone. The little stuff. And you had, it's like that microaggression type thing and you had no idea that you even saying something like, oh, you're so dark. Mm-hmm. Why are you fixated right. on that? that Why yeah. is that the first thing that you say to someone? Mm-hmm. And sadly... As I said, I technically we don't even have that friend group anymore because it was just like so many negative things. And it was like, I always doubted my blackness. Right. And I always praised that Euro, that Europe, like um, ancestry that I had. Right. I never took pride in the African ancestry, but I always praised that Eurocentrism. I always praised my hair. And I thought when I was younger, I was the good and bad hair. And mm. it's really disgusting that I even thought that in the first place because that was also a lack but of education both, in my own household. Yeah. But um, And I was texturous as well without even knowing it. But the fact that if I can understand it and acknowledge it, I know you can. Mm. So why are you saying certain things like, oh, she's so pretty because she's light? Why is anybody saying it? Why, are you, why right. do you hear so many kids hearing that? Right. And then, as you said, what you hear, you repeat. So... I know you had to get it from somewhere. Right. So is it your parents or is it your friends doing it? And I feel like it's a lot of things how if you go to a majority minority school like we did, you feel so pressured to stay in that race group because when you branch out, you might face a lot of anti-blackness. Right. So I felt so pressured to stay in that black friend group. Right. It was safe. Even though it was so like. Right. So many different negative things with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another problem is why do we feel the lack of acceptance? Mm. Why is that such a thing? Right. But that's just, that's my, that's my take. I like that. I like that. And it's awesome the fact you're so introspective about that, too, that you're able to recognize your past flaws and be like, okay, that was the reason why I thought that, but that's wrong, so I can't think. It's very shameful. Because then, what I said... I realized right. my darker skin, right. kinkier hair friends right. would catch up on how I had to catch. I heard them saying, and I had to correct them. I'm like, no, you're not less attractive because you're darker. You're beautiful. Right. Your skin shade right. does not make you ugly at all. That's a problem. And if you think that, we need to work on that. But it's the fact that I know my influence mm-hmm. might have done something negative on right. them. And as a brown skin, I'm not even light and I'm not even dark. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what type of colorism she might face at mm-hmm. all because she's darker than me. Right. She has the hair type that people make fun of. Um, yeah. So if I'm facing this, Imagine what is what she facing? facing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. why am I adding on to it? Right. right. And I think that's what's just... I think the most important thing you to me out of everything you said was that if you can do it, then everyone oh, else yeah. can. It's called growth. Everybody can learn. Kyla, on to you. What do you think is the biggest problem facing black women today? What would you address? So I think one of the biggest problems um, that I've done research on is the overrepresentation of black women in the prison system, mm. um, which I think is something that's not very well known. Um, so while there are um, more black men in prison than black women, the rate at which black women are being incarcerated is um, the highest out of all demographic categories. Um, And 
black women are eight times more likely to be incarcerated than white women. And what's so profound about this issue is that it's connected to so many other issues. Um, So within the foster care system, for example, black people in general are overrepresented. Um, But the head of households of the majority of those kids who end up in foster care are single black black mothers. Mm. Um, And the foster care system, the welfare system, the prison system are all um, interconnected. Um, And the consequences of that intersectionality disproportionately impacts black women. Um, And I'm not going to go too in-depth because I wrote a whole paper on it. Um, And there's a really (laughs) good essay by Dorothy Roberts um, who does it much more justice and really lays it out there. But that's an issue that I think deserves more attention, for sure. I like all that. All right. Well, I think it's now time to segue into our final words, which is basically... You know, just a platform to really get out anything you want to say, any issue, any piece of literature you want to bring to light, really anything you feel, any message you want to tell the people about the movement. This is your time. So it's really anything. It'd be as short as long as you want, as long as you have something to say. You got to say something. Okay. Um, Avery, let's start with you. Oh, um, let's mix it up. I think what really inspires me for this entire thing, especially as a black person, why I have so much pride in being a black person is the amount of fight that we have mm-hmm. and how for hundreds of years we have been oppressed and how even in the media, for some reason, when you talk about black history, all they think about is the slavery view of it and how they forget that African, I mean, kings and queens reigned in Africa. Africa was rich in so many different resources. And the fact that we never saw that the way they would see Europe, like Europe, kings and queens, we never saw that. We still had so much pride in being black and how the fact that we're fighting for everybody because what people need to realize is BLM does not, yes, it is catered to black people, but we're fighting for everybody. And how when we say black lives matter, we mean every single black life, no matter what. Because I feel like people try to justify certain killings on what they did in the past. Mm Because that's what they did with George Floyd. How they said blah, 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 blah about him. But it did not justify him being killed. And how the fact that if you're going to stand for black lives matter, you need to stand for every single one of them. Whether it's the LGBTQ community, disabled, abled everybody in the black community you cannot pick and choose because it is power in the numbers and that's it beautiful alex do you have anything to share with us uh i had a quote um so this is a quote by deborah gray white um she's a celebrated professor um of history and a professor of women's and gender studies at Rutgers. Rutgers University. I, I'm hoping I'm not mispronouncing that, but I really yeah, liked. Yeah, I really liked the quote she said. She said, "Sometimes the more success you have, the more threatening you appear," mm-hmm. which is why I feel like a lot of people fear black excellence. And so, um, I just I really thought that that kind of spoke because of the fact that it's mm-hmm. people kind of fear. They don't want to see other people succeed because they don't want them to kind of like. It's just, there's not, there isn't really an issue with seeing everybody as equal. Mm -hmm. It's just some people don't want to see everybody as equal. 
talk to him. And so some people just don't really want to acknowledge the humanity right. in everyone because last time I checked, everybody's human. Right. And so what, just because the color of your, like just because your skin tone's lighter or maybe you look a little different, it, it doesn't mean that they should matter any less. Mm. I like that. Kayla, would you like to share your final words? Yeah, um, it honestly really goes with what both Avery and Alex had already said. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that the revolution will be intersectional. It cannot just be for black men. It can't just be for black women. It can't just be for straight people. Um, it has to reach all who are oppressed. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway from the Black Lives Matter movement and something that we should be so proud of is that it was started by black women and some of those black women being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and so that in and of itself is monumental and it's something that we should constantly be reminding ourselves of. Um, so yeah, the revolution is intersectional. Do you mind if I add one more thing? Please. I forgot um, what I meant to add. <laughs> My entire thing that I meant to talk about was how what I really realized is going back to the justification of killings of black people. How if you looked at Elijah McCain, McCain, I think, I'm pretty sure it's his last name, how sadly he was murdered by a policeman. And people said, oh, he used to play violin for kittens, etc. He was such this nice person. And I don't think what people realize is, in a way, you're saying that for black people to matter, we have to show our humanity that we can't matter just to matter. So yes, it was, he was a wonderful person and it's terrible what happened. Him, what he did in his pastime, wouldn't, even if he did, even if he was a drug dealer at the end of the day, it never would justify him being murdered. And my last thing to say, and then I'm done, is um, I think a lot of people, when you use the term white privilege, they kind of shut down because they think, oh, my life was hard where's my privilege? And I think one example would be privilege is the fact that you get to learn about racism. You get to learn about it. You see it in your textbooks. You, you get to learn about it at the end of the day. Black kids don't necessarily get to be black kids because you have parents giving their black son the police talk at nine years old. And how a lot of other race households might not even have that talk because I can remember my father having the talk with my brother, sis, my me, my brother and sister saying, you're targeted by the police. Don't wear your head outside at night. If you're in a group of majority white friends, you're going to be singled out, especially if you are a bigger, especially, excuse me, if you're a bigger black male, you're seen as a threat either way and how the young black boy does not get to be a young black boy. When yeah. does when do they see this cute little child? When do they stop seeing that? When do they start seeing the threat? And sadly, it's around ages of like 11 and 12 or even younger. Cuz yeah, the whole point is nobody said that your your struggles nobody said that your struggles don't matter. Cuz yeah. yes, they they matter. You matter. You're a human. You should matter. It's just you didn't struggle because of your skin color. Something and that that's that's literally that's what that's privilege. that's what white privilege is, yeah. All right. Well, more of the story is protect our black women, support our black women, fight side by side to our black women because our black women are the movement.
We are hand in hand with their struggles. Their struggles are our struggles and our struggles are their struggles. So support them, take care of them and love them because they do the same to you. Right. So basically, I just want to thank you all for being a part of this podcast. Personally, I feel like this this was probably our is my favorite podcast. Definitely my favorite part. The ideas shared today, man, they were just so invigorating, so enthralling. I just loved hearing them. I loved hearing everything from your perspectives. It was a really eye-opening experience because I feel like, like I said, we don't give enough platform to the issues of our black women. So I'm glad we were able to get y'all in here and uh, really talk things out, man. Talk things out. So I just want to thank y'all. I appreciate y'all for being here. Um, business side. Um, you can... Uh, if you have any comments or concerns, you can reach our email at toughtalks2020 at gmail.com. Our Venmo is toughtalks2020, the same thing. You can follow our organization's uh, Instagram, OBBL Georgia, at, excuse me, OBBL.Georgia on Instagram. Um, and thank you guys. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me. Thank yes, you. this is a wonderful experience. Thank you. Well, that was another Tough Talks. See you guys next week. Oh, man. Oh, no introduction.